Welcome to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. Thank you for tuning in. We pray that the following message will help you connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and others. If you have your Bibles, open them with me to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. We'll read the first 11 verses of Matthew chapter 4. The title of this message is Finding God and Satan in the Same Place. Matthew chapter 4. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, The devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. This past Wednesday was Ash Wednesday in the Christian calendar. Ash Wednesday is the beginning of a period that we call Lent. In Baptist churches, uh, regrettably, we're, we're not as familiar with those, those Christian calendar terms as, as we probably ought to be. Ash Wednesday is... Uh, as the beginning of Lent is a time when, we, when we, we prepare ourselves. It's a 40-day period where we prepare ourselves for uh, Good Friday. Good Friday. And it's a time of, of evaluating. It's a time of reflecting. It's a time of uh, sacrifice. It's a time of spending more time with God at the, at the expense of the time that we would normally spend doing something else. For some folks, it's a time of fasting from food. From other folks, it'll be a time of fasting from TV. From still others, it'll be a time of fasting from Facebook. Everybody ought to do that. But Ash Wednesday begins that period. It's called Lent. 40 days. It is a time when uh, this passage of Scripture is is often read because of the 40-day period Jesus spent in the desert. By the way, isn't it appropriate that Ash Wednesday and Valentine's Day fell on the same day this year? Valentine's Day is when we normally think of love, love for our mate, of course, but it's uh, with Ash Wednesday, it's also a time when we think about the love of God that prompted him to give his son Jesus only 40 days later for our salvation. So it's appropriate. Matthew chapter 4 is an event where God and Satan are at the same place. 
I know it seems kind of odd, the title, Finding God and Satan in the Same Place. If when we think about that logically, we would think, well, you, you, you're just not going to find God and Satan in the same place. Actually, um, the opposite is more true. God is everywhere present. Therefore, any time that Satan is anywhere, God's going to be there. So there's really not a place where Satan is that you won't find God and Satan together, if you look at it that way. But certainly the temptation of Jesus is one of those places where we find God and Satan together. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, among the four Gospels, are the ones, only ones who mention the temptation. Matthew devotes 11 verses to the temptation here in chapter 4. Luke devotes 13 verses to the temptation in his chapter 4. And then Mark, who writes in a hurry, he devotes two verses and they're not in his fourth chapter, they're in his first chapter. And, and he's just kind of the, the gospel of the holy hurry. He's in a hurry, so he doesn't spend a whole lot of time on the temptation. In each of the four gospels, the temptation is found in a, during a time of preparation for Jesus. Not that he needed any preparation, but I assume that God set up some things for Jesus to go through so that he could give us an example of how we need to prepare ourselves in our Christian walk. And so Jesus uh, is foretold by John the baptizer. Jesus is baptized by John the baptizer. Not that Jesus needed to be baptized because he didn't need to repent from anything. And then after Jesus is baptized, the Bible says in all three of those gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, that the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the desert to be tempted. Matthew and Luke described three different temptations that Jesus faced. Ironically, they put them in a different chronological order. Luke begins with Jesus after having fasted 40 days being tempted by bread. Make these stones bread if you are the son of God. Matthew starts with the bread also. And then from the bread, Luke goes to taking Jesus to a high mountain. So he sees all the nations of the world, the kingdoms of the world, and says, if you'll bow down and worship me, I'll give you all of these. Matthew, on the other hand, goes from the bread to the temple. Finally, Luke goes from taking Jesus to, from the bread to the mountaintop to the temple. He ends at the temple. Matthew, on the other hand, takes Jesus from the bread to the temple to the mountaintop. It's interesting. Uh, they probably do that for thematic reasons. For Luke, if you know anything about Luke's writings, the Gospel of Luke and Acts, you know that, that uh, the temple is a, a, a theme of Luke's. He is fascinated by the temple. And so uh, it, it would not be unusual for him in relating the, the event of Jesus being tempted by Satan to end up at the temple, the pinnacle of the temple, no less. Matthew, on the other hand, seems to be showing these temptations, these three temptations, with increasing intensity. There is the individual temptation, eat this bread. Then there is the Jewish temptation, taking you to the temple. And then there is the worldwide temptation, taking Jesus to the mountain and showing him all the kingdoms of the world. There's the increased intensity in Matthew. 
It's just an interesting study. Why does Jesus need to be tempted? Why did he need to be tempted? Did he need to be tempted? Well, uh, it, was it possible for him to fail in this temptation? I'll leave those questions for you all. You see, what I like to do is just preach the simple stuff and leave y'all with the hard stuff. Go home, eat lunch, go out, talk about, well, do you think he really could have been tempted? Oh, no. Well, I think he could. Well, I don't think, well, I think he could. I love those conversations that I, I just kind of put on to you around old Charlie's and Cracker Barrel. It's wonderful. But I think the main point for us, at least one of the main points, is the fact that Jesus was tempted. He was tried. And he was tempted and tried, as the writer of Hebrews says, in all points just as we are. That's the point of the temptation. We're tempted. We're tried. Some of you are being tempted right as we speak. Some of you are in a trial right as we speak. There's always somebody in a congregation in a trial. There's always somebody in the middle of a temptation. So I want to say a few things about this whole deal of Jesus being tempted and us being tempted. And first thing I want to say is that God and Satan face off against each other during temptation. God and Satan face off against each other during temptation. This is true of your temptation. This is true of your trials. It's true of mine. It was true of Jesus. One of the most interesting things about the temptation of Jesus is that it was the Holy Spirit who led him into the temptation. That's a very interesting thought, especially when you consider the fact that uh, in his Lord's prayer, uh, Jesus prayed. He said, he said, Lord, lead us not into temptation. And yet it was the Holy Spirit who we also believe is God who led Jesus into the desert and what did he lead him in the desert to do? According to Matthew, Mark, and Luke, he led him into the desert to be tempted. Then you have James, who in his, uh, the half-brother of Jesus, who says, when, when, when you're tempted, don't, no man should ever say uh, when he's tempted, he's tempted by God. For God tempts no man. And we struggle to reconcile these different verses. But the fact of the matter is here that God and Satan faced off. Matthew and Luke both say that the Holy Spirit led Jesus. Jesus was led up into the wilderness, into the desert to be tempted. Mark is a lot more graphic. Although some of our translations water down his graphics. Here's what Mark really says in, in, the, in, the, in the Greek. He says, he says, the Holy Spirit drives. Jesus into the desert. He drives him there. Mark uses a present tense to describe a past tense action because for Mark, it was an active event. The Holy Spirit drives Jesus into the desert. When you are tempted or when you are tried, get this, Satan is at work, no doubt, but so is God. And they are facing off against each other. And let me just add before I move to the next point, which of the two of them will win depends on you. Amen. Number two, God and Satan use the same arenas during temptation. 
When you think about it, it's, it's hard for us to fathom. You know, Satan, he's in his domain and he, we know what Satan does and what, where we are when Satan tries to get us to go a certain way that he wants us to go. And then there's God. He's in a different arena. But actually, it's, it's often the case that they work in the same arenas. Take, for instance, the three specific temptations that, uh, that Matthew describes Jesus going through. First of all, Satan says, if you are the son of God, very arrogant, Make these stones become bread. He knew that Jesus had been, gone, had been 40 days without having eaten. He knew very well what, what that physical weakness of Jesus was. By the way, he knows, somehow he knows what your weakness is. Now, now, now be careful with that knowledge because Satan is not all-knowing. That's only... God's attribute. Satan is not all-knowing. So if he knows your weaknesses, and I believe he does, I certainly know that he knows mine. How did he find that out? God didn't tell him. I'll leave that with you too. I know y'all love that, don't you? Yeah, just leave that with them. How did he know? God and Satan use the same, uh, same uh, arenas. And the arena for the first temptation is, is, is the table. Now, you don't see the word table there, but it's, it's, it's a table to eat. We sit at the table to eat. Our most intimate conversations are around the table, especially if it's not the formal living room, if you have a formal living room. But when you sit at the, at a, at, at the counter or a table that's, that's nearest or in the kitchen. You know, you have guests over, you don't, you don't sit them normally around the table that's in or near the kitchen or, or at the counter at the kitchen. You take them into a more formal living room. But, but when it's you and your kids, or if it's you and your spouse, sometimes you'll sit in the living room, sometimes you'll sit on the counter in the kitchen, or, or you, you may sit at a little table. Whenever I was growing up, it was a formica top table with metal around it. Uh, it was right there next to the kitchen. That table is reserved for your most intimate conversations. You don't have intimate conversations in the foyer. In fact, your most impersonal conversations ever will be at the foyer. Somebody knocks on your door, you don't know who they are. But you go and you answer, you unlock the door because we all keep them locked. You open up the door and that's as far as it goes right there, right? You're not going to have an intimate conversation right there on the front porch or in the foyer. But if you know them well... A friend comes up that you've known all your life, 40, 50 years, and, and they, they knock on the door. You answer the door. Can I, can I talk with you? I'm in real trouble. Sure, come on. And where do you go? You go to the kitchen table. Why? Because that's where the intimate conversations are. Let me tell you, God wants kitchen table experiences with you. Arena. But so does Satan. The second was the temple. Matthew says, then Satan took Jesus to the pinnacle of the temple and he said, he, he said, throw yourself down because the, the, the word says that he'll, if, if you fall, he'll send his angels to, to keep you from getting hurt. The temple. For Jewish people, the temple was the place. They knew that God was everywhere present. They knew that. But if ever God was especially present anywhere, he was present at the temple. 
You say to somebody, well, you know, I, I, I just like to get closer to God. Well, honey, we can go to the synagogue over here in our, our town. That's where they have. Yeah, I know, but I'd, I'd like to even get closer to that. You want to go to the temple? Yeah, let's go to the temple. But what is ironic is Satan takes Jesus to the pinnacle of the temple. I was raised a preacher's kid. All I knew was being a pastor's son. And yet it was one of the most shocking things I ever experienced when I first uh, Surrendered to a call to ministry and two years later was called to a church. I found that Satan is a regular attender. That just tore me up. He can pray. He can read scripture. In fact, he doesn't have to read it. He's memorized it. Made me so angry. And then there's the world. God works in the world. He works at our tables, our kitchen tables. He works in our worship places. He works in this world because he wants us to go out into the world to seek the lost, to bring them to him. God and Satan use the same arenas during temptation. Number three, God and Satan use the same scriptures during temptation. Satan tempts Jesus three times. Jesus three times responds to him by quoting scripture from the book of Deuteronomy. One, the, one time it's from Deuteronomy 8. The other two times it's from Deuteronomy 6. And although the first time that Satan tempts Jesus, he doesn't quote scripture. But Jesus responds with scripture. And so Satan says, OK, you want to use scripture? I know scripture. And so he quotes not from Deuteronomy, but from Psalm 91, verses 11 and 12. He said, he said, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Satan knows the Bible better than we do. Amen. Fourth, God and Satan have some of the same stated goals. Does that surprise you? God has some of the same goals that Satan does. Same has, Satan has some of the same goals that God does. What, what kind of goals are you talking about? They both want to control you. They both want you to worship them. But finally, God and Satan do not bring the same fulfillment. You see, God wants to control you, but not, not in a negative way. Satan wants to control you so that he can destroy you. Writer of Proverbs in one place says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. That's in Proverbs twice. Reckon why? Romans chapter 6, verse 23 starts off, the wages of sin, what we earn because of our sin is death. Satan doesn't bring fulfillment. He brings failure and fatality. God, on the other hand, while the wages of sin is death, the gift of God is eternal life. God brings fulfillment. But notice this in this chapter, the way to fulfillment for Jesus and also consequently for us, the way of fulfillment meanders through the road of temptation and trial. There is no easy road. There is no easy salvation. There is no easy Christian life. It's all hard.
I grew up in country Baptist churches. They sang shape notes, Stamps Baxter. I'm glad we don't sing those. Yet on the other hand, when I hear them, I'm kind of like a, an old bird dog whose ears pop up when he hears his master's voice. There was an old song we used to sing. Tempted and tried, we're off made to wonder why it should be thus all the day long while there are others living about us never molested though in the Farther along, we'll know all about it. Farther along, we'll understand why. Cheer up, my brother, live in the sunshine. We'll understand it. All by and by. You ever found God and Satan in the same place? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, I found Satan in a lot of places. I didn't like it. Sometimes I thought I would and ended up not. But what I'm grateful for is that everywhere I found him, I found you. Not because you ever cared anything about being in his presence, but because you love being in ours. You endured temptation as an example for us. And some three plus years later, you endured another trial, temptation that led you to the cross. And there, God and Satan met as well because Satan was trying to put you on the cross and did, but the Bible says that God was in Christ reconciling the world to him while you were on the cross. <laughs> we don't understand the trials and temptations of life, O oh Lord, but we sure do Love what you try to bring about for us in them. In Jesus' name, amen.